Hello, everyone, and welcome to Show Hoppers. Today we are covering The Leftovers, Season 3, Episode 8, the series finale. I am beyond sad that this series is over. This is my favorite series. It was my third time watching through it, and I still love it to death. I am a science teacher here with one of my former students, the regular repeating guest on one might call him the periodic guest on my, uh, this show. This is Kurt. Hello, Kurt. Hi, everyone. It's me, the periodic guest. <laughs> now, Kurt had never seen The Leftovers before we did this podcast, but now, Kurt, you have finished The Leftovers. I have watched most of The Leftovers, yes. And now we can officially say that The Leftovers is officially Kurt's favorite series. No, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> Why not? You've given so, so many tens. To I it. did. I well, I've I've also reflected on all the tens I've given, and I think I've I've come to the conclusion that I I'm trying to think the word for this, but I think a lot of people can agree that like right after they see a pretty okay or good movie or TV show, they'd rate it much higher having seen it. Okay. After think versus thinking about it for a few weeks afterward. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So I, I do think that that has had a large bearing on these ratings. So tell me, give me but two episodes. keep them up. Give me two episodes. No, you didn't give any tens in season one. Tell me two episodes between season two and season three where you gave, so far, we haven't said anything about this episode. Yeah, that's fine. You have, you've given five plus four, nine tens. Tell me two that you would demote from a ten. Probably demo. Uh, let me think here. I would probably demote a most powerful adversary because it's just the shock ending. I think would really, really? stole it home. Yeah, I think I would demote that down, and I think I would demote down. It's a Matt Matt world. It's a Matt 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 world. All right. So just so you know, most powerful adversary. You had two other tens ranked lower. Yeah. Than- yeah, yeah. I. I. I yeah. Okay, so here's my suggestion to you, because I, I don't think, I think that those are very worthy of the tens that you gave them. Uh, my suggestion to you is that you go back and listen to our podcast for those episodes. And I'm not, the wonderful reasons why 10 was the right call. But here's the thing, I'm not going to demote them now, right? Like, I'm going to stick it out with what I've rated them. Because if, if I rate all the episodes in the same way, which is I rate them within a week after viewing them, if it gets a 10, it gets a 10. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So I think it's still a fair assessment. Okay. I just don't think... Had I seen this entire series and then you made me go back and read every episode, all the ratings would probably be a bit lower. Well, okay, but that but that's artificial too. That is, that is, yeah, that is true. You can, you can judge that uh, on the metric of, well, yeah, now you've had time between it, and that's why you're rating lower. That's true. Right, I think that's more of a fair rating because I don't watch the series every week, so... I. I understand what you mean. Yeah. I think it's more fair having time between it and then rating it. Because there are still some episodes with time. You still are like, oh, that's a great episode. Like International Assassin, I think most people agree. Oh, yeah. that's a great episode. Well, so, I think I think you're forgetting a lot of stuff. Like, there, there are plenty of reasons why Most Powerful Adversary is a 10, not just because of the shock ending. But at any rate, uh, I so I think the most fair thing is to watch the whole series through three times like I have. Uh, and yeah. so... We'll just assume that all of my ratings are correct. No. 
No. Yeah, I can episodes too much yet, no. I, and he I, didn't like 1013 I, enough. I, I, can, I, I will admit to having probably an artificially inflated scale for Nora episode. Speaking of which, this is a Nora episode. It is, but we can't start that yet because this is a season finale. That it is. So do you want to do your shtick yeah, here? Yeah, I'll, I'll do the shtick of, I don't know how much I should go into it, because I've talked about it before in the past, and this is the season three finale. Yeah, so, we don't need to go do it. Yeah, I'm not going to go too much. All I'm going to say is, uh, every finale, I give away a digit of Mr. South's social security number. This is the fourth digit, if you want to have an explanation why. The other season finales prior to this one, like the season one finale. Uh, but this, this fourth digit of social security number, three. The number three, as in trace in Spanish. One, two, three. Not one and two, but just the three. Of one, two, three, three. The third number. I want to make sure that's, that that point it's is across. Accepting that you then proceed to three. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, there you go. Anyway, you go on with yourself. Okay, no reaction from me. As, you, as per the... No you. need. No need. <laughs> okay. Alright, so now, as you may remember... I have pre-predicted, so double predicted. Yeah, pre-predicted that you would rate this episode a five out of ten. Now, let me just qual- put some qualifiers on that. Mm-hmm. I don't think that you necessarily dislike this episode, but I don't think that you find it to be a satisfying finale, uh, series finale, uh, and I think probably you would rather have seen either of the other season finales as the series finale rather than this one. And so because of that, I think that you're going to rate this at a five. Also, it's very Nora heavy. So we, we know how you feel about Nora. Mm-hmm. So I'm going with a five. I'm going to stick with it, Kurt. So, so do you want my rating in terms of an episode or in terms of being a season, for, like waiting in the fact that it's a season finale, right? You want me to wait in the fact that what it's a season gonna, finale? What are you going to put in the spreadsheet? Okay. Okay. Seven. Seven. Okay. So better than I thought, but still not not good. I'm joking with you. So I gave it a nine. Oh, a nine. It's a nine. It's a good episode. Yeah. I enjoyed it and I don't think it's a bad finale. Okay. I think it's a I think it's still I think it's a good finale. It's not the finale I would have wanted, but I okay. like it still. I respect it. And I, they still have a lot of ambiguity in it. So whether it's Nora lying or not and yeah. uh, you know, just things in general. For example, the pigeon with the Kevin's note, I was convinced we'd get to see the the note. I was like, oh, we're definitely going to read that later. Never got to read the note. <laughs> so. so the uh, you brought up Nora lying. I've been working really hard to try to point out all of Nora's lies along the way, especially in season three. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that we've kind of established that she is, she's, I don't know if I'd call her a chronic liar, but she's a definite... Um, regular to the to the bar of lying the pathological not really pathological but she does lie a lot yeah. this this is what I, so many times where it brings up lying like like right in your face right at the beginning nora says she's not a liar uh kevin admits to lying to nora yeah uh, the nun that uh, nora accuses her of lying like there's so many parts where it's just you know people straight up lying into people's faces uh, i wonder if with matt there's anything with lying i don't think so uh, but you did talk about how Matt also lies. Yep. But there's at least three big parts where uh, 
there's probably other instances of it, but yeah, at the end, for Nora and Kevin, you know, for Nora's big story dialogue, there's still a question in the air of, is that true, right? Right, That's and that's, I love that about this episode, some people get frustrated by that, I, I love it. Yeah, I think it's great too, because it's, 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 it's not like the writers just gave you a cliffhanger ending, they gave you two choices. Yes. Which is, which is, I think, arguably better than just a single choice. You get well, they, really, what they did was they put you exactly in Kevin's position, mm-hmm. and Kevin has to decide whether he's going to believe her or not, and so do we. I kind of wish that they had Kevin not believe her, just to make that more apparent. But maybe, maybe not. I I don't know how easy it is to follow if Nora's lying or not. Because when I first saw, I didn't know until you just agreed with me that like, is that supposed to be like an actual like? Am I putting in my own thoughts that Nora could be lying, or are we just supposed to take Nora at face value? No, uh, I th- I think that it's intentionally ambig- ambiguous. Okay, yeah, yeah, and I'm with that. I it's, like that. It's a very detailed story. It is a very detailed story, and it's and it's uninterrupted. So it's not like she's taking time to think about it. Like she she tells a very fluid, very detailed story, which would lead us to believe that this probably actually happened. We did see her get into the machine and the tank was filling up, but we did not see it cover her head. And we also uh, have been, like you said, shown several times throughout this episode uh, that there is a very real possibility that she's lying. And I also back on lying her whole dove um, bird thing. That's kind of a, Sweet lie, but still a lie nonetheless. Those those birds don't fly around the world spreading the message of love. They right. fly back to Nora's house spreading the message of love. Um, but I was so excited at the beginning of this episode because I thought that ladder machine was a lie. And I was so happy that she got swindled. Just because... Oh. Not because I, I like that Nora got swindled, but I like the fact that that complicated device was just a swindling device. Now, that... May or may not be the case. We don't know. But, right. but yeah. Uh, it's, I, I like the ambiguity of this episode. I like it a I, lot. Yeah, I, I, I definitely do too. And, and honestly, you know, I don't think... I think it's, it's very reasonable... When you to think about, I mean, this is this, this series, this season is bookended by the Book of Nora and the Book of Kevin. Okay, and really, their stories do run very parallel and very similar. They both can't be fully present because they have one foot in this alternate reality. You know, they have one foot. Nora's got throughout this whole season one foot out the door trying to get to wherever they went. Kevin, throughout this whole season, has one foot out the door trying to go back to the assassin. So they, they've neither one of them has been fully present. They both had this alternate reality. Now, whether they're fictional or whether they're real, we don't truly know for either of them. Although it seems like Kevin's is real. It might just be what happens in his head when he comes close to dying. But in both cases, in order to access these worlds, these alternate worlds, they have to risk death. Mm -hmm. So for Nora at the end of this, knowing what she knows about Kevin and knowing that it is alleged that he has 
come close to dying if not if he hasn't actually died and gone to this other place where he's interacted with people and, and done whatever knowing that i think it's really it makes a lot of sense for nora to kind of make up her own version of that story yeah i you know i i got vaporized and and uh went to this other place too and and i then i came back too you know, so part a lot of this is about the belief that they have in each other and and for him to say i believe you when she has done nothing but reject his story is is kind of i mean at that point it seems like for nora all is forgiven the fact that he believes her here whether it's true or not mm-hmm. yeah so uh, so I, to, I also don't feel like I don't need to know whether she's lying or not because if I'm Kevin, I know that I can't push her on this. If I want to have a chance with this relationship to work, this is the story she's telling me. I have to either accept it and have a chance to be with her again, or I have to leave her. And that's the end of it. Mm-hmm. Because if I, if I reject this story, this is over. So, I, I love that Kevin is put in that situation and that we then therefore are also put in that situation. I, so I, I just kind of took it at the value that Kevin believes Nora, but I didn't think about it where Kevin does not believe Nora, but he's just still saying he does. Yeah, I, I mean, he might believe her. I don't know. But, but he might not. Yeah, that's another, yeah. That's another layer I didn't think of. Yeah. yeah. He, I mean, he he doesn't really have much of a choice. If he wants to be with her, then he has to claim to believe her. Yeah. Oh. So, he, so he could be lying as well. Wow, okay. I, yeah. it, I, see, this is what makes this finale pretty good, is that the, these question marks, if there was not any of these question marks, this would have probably gotten a lower rating. But I, I like... The questions in the air. I also, I'm kind of mad at myself because I didn't realize, I forgot about, so it had been so long since I'd seen that flash forward. I deemed it a flash forward. You did. But I, did, I forgot that Nora looks old in a flash forward. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot all about that because then this would have changed some of my predictions if I realized, because I forgot <laughs> she looks old in the flash forward. Yeah. So we popped so many, I don't know how many years in the future. I don't think they ever give it a set time, do they? No, I mean, they, we know that Jill has a one-year-old. Jill has a kid, yeah. And is um, that's that's the, about the extent of what we know. We know that Kevin is still working. Oh, yeah, that's true, too, yeah. So I, I don't think they're much more than maybe, ah, they might be early 60s at the oldest. I mean, that's still like, that's still quite a, quite a year. Yeah. How old were they before this well, happened? I mean, Jill, that's let's a long say, time. That's a long time. <laughs> Let's say Jill, uh, who was... I went to college. Yeah, so she was 16 when this whole thing started, right? And then she was... It doesn't make much sense that she... It doesn't, man. It was seven years later. Some gap years before going to college there. Maybe she looks like a master's or a doctorate, too. Oh, no, wait a minute. I take that back. She was was 16 when the whole thing started, but that was the three-year anniversary. You're all... There you go, Mr. Stout. So 20. She was 20. And she's she can't be much older. If she's if she's just having 
she only has one kid and it's only one year old. She can't be much older than like 40. Certainly not. So at most, this is 20 years after they broke up. At most, yes. So, uh, so if let's say they were, um, well, Nora says she was born in 77 and this is what is 2017. So she would have been 40. If Nora was born in 1977 and this takes place in 2017. No, I take that back. She was born in 79. Okay. And this yeah. is 2017. So she's 38 in the, at the beginning of this episode. The beginning of, yeah, the season in general. So if we're gauging by Jill's oldest possible probable age, uh, the, then if Jill is 40 at the end of this episode, then Nora would be 58 at the end of this episode. Okay. So I, I think that's the oldest Nora is here is 58. Yeah, oldest is 58. Yeah. We'll, we'll say around her 50s, maybe older, maybe in her late 40s. I don't know. I don't think she's in her forties. I, I think she's, she's somewhere in her fifties. My guess is clo- uh, closer to 58 than 50. And Kevin is maybe a couple years older. I'm not sure. Okay. So. Mathematical. Okay. Yeah. So there we go. But I, and by the way, I I'm... can't believe I forgot about that. Did you... <laughs> I forgot that she looked old in that flashback. Yeah, yeah. That really bothers me. Yeah, because that I, honestly, I would have changed my uh, senior prediction, Kevin's senior prediction. Right, but and my you Matt prediction. Right on that. I did end up being right, but I would have, I would have guessed, I would have guessed Matt and Kevin senior die. Okay. Yeah, I figured. But um, by the way, I'm a big fan of this age makeup. I think they look great. They, yeah, they both do look pretty old. They do they I think they look very convincingly old. So. Yeah. Anyway, I, I I'm a big fan of it. Um, yeah. All right. So you like this as an episode? It's nine out of ten. It's pretty good. Not your not what you would have wanted out of a series finale. You said this is yeah. It's not what I would have expected out of the finale. I don't think anybody expected this finale. <laughs> I, I would not have expected this as a finale, but it's still a good finale. Yeah. And they never they never had Kevin sing Homeward Bound again. <laughs> nothing, my heart has been broken nothing was going to get a 10 without that happening that that would have been amazing okay all right or if nora sung homeward bound it's like somehow oh, we know she's something no. i sure yeah. like the song homeward bound that's actually what this is all means but... <laughs> i do too for that matter so all right well let's run through this a bit so we have we start with nora's testimonial uh where she's uh, whoa whoa you've gone too quick mr sal you skipped the intro the The music yeah you're right the intro is the season two intro which i which that was my first guess i swapped my guess to uh i still forgot the song by the pixies yeah where's my mind where's my mind but it was it was indeed the season two intro so yes so i changed my mind anyway where was your mind? So Nora gives her testimonial, but Dr. Becker doesn't buy it. She thinks she's lying. And of course, Nora says, I don't lie. But she redoes it anyway with Aaron Jeremy's names thrown in there. Uh, and this seems to appease Dr. Becker. And so they're, they're going to let her go through. Even though she's literally forced her way in. 
Yeah, and she, she runs- says in her the clip like I forced my way in. <laughs> yeah, she runs through all this. And I followed you here, so you'd have to let me do it. <laughs> yeah, so but they they are in the process of moving on as well. <laughs> so like everything is like ready to ship, and she's gonna do it though. But this is this is important because she makes a point of saying I don't lie, even though. We know she lies, and we're going to see her lying several times just throughout this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, what'd you think of seeing this fossil of the what what remains after someone goes through? I mean, that's what I guess. What remains? I don't know. I was like, oh, interesting. <laughs> Do they kill them? That's what I questioned. Is if like so? Okay, either they kill them or they go through. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they go. The idea is that they go wherever they went. Yeah, so this put out of the question in my mind of they take the money and run. Yeah. Right? That doesn't happen. They kill them and run, or they really do take them where they went and run. Mm-hmm. Oh, those might be the same thing. Yeah, it might be. but one, one might be in earnest, and one is just them knowing, okay, this is a death array. Yeah. Not actually at all what happened to the people. Yeah. But free money. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it's free money. There's, it looks like there's a lot of overhead on this machine. Well, when you've got free money, you can afford a lot of overhead. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. Um, they do this like orientation where they they show her what's going to happen, uh, and there's this description of the transport. They put the little doll in the bowl and they fill it up with this like gelatinous liquid uh, so you can see that the person's fully submerged. And so she's going to have to hold her breath for 30 seconds. Can you hold your breath for 30 seconds? I think so. Well, actually I know I can hold my breath for 30 seconds, but this seems like a really like high pressure situation. Yeah. Can I, I, can, can I plug my nose? I don't, I don't know. I don't, it doesn't seem like it. I, I have never learned how to people, do that underwater when they go swimming. I know, I know you can breathe out your nose slightly to like not have water rush in, but I never was good at that. Yeah, it's. I don't think I can hold my breath for thirty seconds. That's a very long time. No, I can do thirty seconds. I think. Go ahead. Let's try right now. Time okay. Me. I'm just kidding. I'm not gonna know. <laughs> you can just mute yourself, and I won't know. But you're doing it anyway. Good for you, Kurt. You go. I hope you're timing it because I'm not. I do. So the reason I say that I can't hold my breath for 30 seconds is because when my kids and I swim, we time how long we can hold our breath for. And I think I get to like 14 or 15. I don't think I can get to 30. You're still going. I think that was 30 seconds. Okay. So, uh, I think that was 30 seconds. I, I look at the timer. It's close enough. It's within a rounding error. I, I'm sure Nora wouldn't have died if she did that. But that being said, it's way harder to hold your breath when you're swimming because you're, like, doing physical activity. <laughs> I'm just sitting down talking into, you know, I, it's pretty, like, I can probably hold my breath, I feel like, for, like, a minute. I think I could go a minute. I'm not talking about swimming. I'm just talking about going underwater. Like, if you put your face in the water. Yeah, I, I could do 30 seconds. Okay. I reckon I could do 30 seconds, yeah. Pretty long time. Let's not forget, Nora is not uh, you know, twenty something healthy. Not a young spray. Oh, thank you. Healthy. 
Yeah, I assume you're healthy. I don't know. Nora is 30, what did we say? 38 years old and smokes. Sometimes. Pretty, pretty, pretty <laughs> regularly recently. Yeah, she's been smoking quite a lot lately, so. <laughs> so I, th- I think uh, she's going to have a hard time holding her breath for 30 seconds. Fair enough. But what's she going to say? No? Yeah, she's she's gone this far. 30 seconds surely is not enough to stop you. Yeah. I, I, I was wondering how this device works, uh, but she went naked, so yeah. that's one thing about it. I was wondering, like, what does it bring along with you? So we talked about, in our last week's Lost episode, teeth fillings, because they were relevant to the episode. Mm. If this device zapped you and you had teeth fillings, would they come with you? Mm. And same thing, would a shirt come with you, right? Would a pacemaker, we hear about a pacemaker later in the episode, would that come with you? If I was, if she, if Nora was holding a dog, would the dog come with her? If she had a luggage bag, would the luggage bag come with her? So basically, my question was, like, how is it just anything inside that? I, I imagine anything inside that liquid. Yeah, is what goes. Yeah, you know? I would think so. Now, we do know that the departure itself, like the clothing, went, mm-hmm. which is, you know, I just think of Nora's family, like their clothing went, but their chairs didn't. Mm-hmm. I wonder why. Probably their teeth fillings went too. I would guess. Pacemakers and all. Ooh, pacemaker might be problematic. I wonder if you were an amputee, would your would your if you had like a prosthetic leg, would that go with you? I don't know. Maybe that disqualifies you. I mean, Nora had an IUD, and they wouldn't let her go through without taking that out. You're right. You're right. Anyway, just just. Just a thought. What's allowed to go through the machine? But anyway, uh, so uh, the reason I brought that up is surely they can make a device that just, like, you put it over your mouth, your nose in your mouth, and mm-hmm. it just, you know, like, like a scuba diver, kind of relevant <laughs> leftovers, especially recently with Lori, but, yeah. like, you know, you put uh, an oxygen tank so you can breathe. Yep. And not have to worry about the 30 second thing. Because surely if you're paying 20 grand and you have this state of the art yeah. machine, you could add this. Unless it's somehow affects the way that this machine would work and maybe it does who knows but yeah i mean i i i don't think there's any understanding all of the ins and outs of how this machine works but anyway the, the next scene is is one of my favorites on the episodes the scene between matt and nora oh, so I, I, sweet. It's, it's a great scene isn't it i mean last math scene it's right yes every time i saw I, like i was wondering this whole time when's the last math scene right, right. that surely I was questioning if we'd see Matt again. I'm just glad he got a last scene because, like, Kevin Senior didn't get one, and John didn't get one, Michael didn't get one, Jill didn't. A lot get of one. people didn't get last scenes. I, they technically got one, just not in this episode. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Tommy. Yep. Uh, Breaks poor my Tom. heart. Yeah. But are are you familiar with Mad Libs? Yes, I'm familiar. Like, use noun, uh, adjective starting with B. Yes. Stuff like that. Yes. Well, these are Matt libs. So, it, she actually uses that term, Matt libs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, so, I mean, this was a, I, when Matt was saying the, this Mad Lib, I was like, this is very applicable to their circumstance right now. <laughs> I was like, is this custom made? And then she says, Matt lib. I'm like, oh, okay, yes. Matt makes Mad Libs. Fair yes. enough. Um, and it's, it's Nora's obituary, basically. Mm-hmm. Um. 
of particular interest is when uh, she's asked for a place and she chooses Cairo, Egypt as the place where she's born and raised. Duly um, noted. Yeah, it's, I mean, I don't know if there's anything to it. I think that's just kind of a wink. It is. It's definitely just a wink, but still noted. Yeah. Um, but she says that Matt Libs got her through. Oh, one, one other thing that I should mention is that she, uh, the last thing that she gives Matt is a noun and she chooses gecko. And, uh, and the, the obituary ends with she is survived by her gecko, Matt Jameson right hmm. so that's that comes up a little bit later but uh she says that matt lives are the only thing that got her through this bible camp that their grandparents made her go to and she tells this story about when she when he put her on when matt put her on the bus he said that she was the bravest girl on earth and that that hmm. played a big role in the rest of this and she, she she says to him you drive me effing nuts but you've always been a great gecko, Matt. And she she gets a little choked up here. But then Matt respond, Matt's response is, if I was a great gecko, I'd be trying to talk you out of this. She says that he's a great gecko because he's not trying. So what do you think about that? If, if you're Matt, what are you feeling and what, you, what are you doing? Are you trying to talk her out of it? Or are you doing what Matt's doing? What are you doing? Like, if I'm Matt with his thoughts and feelings, or, like, you took out Matt and you put in no, Kurt? took out Matt, put in Kurt. I mean, what are you doing, Nora? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> come on, Nora. <laughs> yeah. Come on. <laughs> I mean, if you really want to, fine. But I'm not doing it, and that should mean I. I mean, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> I don't know if I would stop her. I mean, okay. I'm, not, I'm not sure on that. But I feel like I wouldn't be as approving as Matt is. Yeah. I I have a feeling that I would be almost exactly Matt here. You think, okay, so you think you'd just be... I think I'd I, I would not try to talk her... I don't know. I might try harder than him to talk her out of it. But I probably wouldn't. And I probably would feel awful about not trying to talk her out of it. I don't think... I, I would... I would say my piece, say my argument, and then, like, Pontius Pilate style, even though there's no crowd, I would just wash my hands of it, like, I'm good to go. <laughs> I I said what I could say, if you didn't want to listen, what, what more can I do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's probably... Crazy though, that's not my, I mean, it's also if Nora's my sister, I mean, hmm. Ah. Do I really want Nora's a sister? <laughs> This break down a bit now. This hypothetical. Yeah, it, did. it did, but Matt is also talks about how he is scared, and but not for her. He's scared of lots of things. He's scared of dying. He's scared of the chemotherapy he's going to have to undergo. He's scared of going back to Mary. He's scared that he's going to die and that Noah won't know his know him, and that he won't recognize his face or his voice and. He says, the, though, that most of all, he's scared about having to get up, that, that he will survive, that the treatments will work, and that he will have to get up in front of people and try to convince them that he has the answers when he has no idea what he's talking about. So I love this as an illustration of the fact that Matt's faith has been, I don't want to say his faith has been shaken, but he 
clearly uh, does not, he, he recognizes that he doesn't know everything that he thought he knew. Mm-hmm. And there's a big connection between how what Matt's afraid will happen and what happened to Lori when we saw her in a certified, right? Like she, she didn't know what to tell the, the mysterious woman we saw in the beginning of the leftovers who Muta was carrying from office. But <laughs> Lori, Lori didn't know what to tell her. And that kind of turned her into the guilty remnant and pushed her forward to that. And Matt's afraid of that same, facing that same reality of having to tell people what to do when he himself doesn't know what to do. Right. So. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, we, we saw this so heavily played out in it's a Matt, 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 Matt world. He's so committed to what he believes in, but in that episode, he recognized that he had misplaced his faith and he's, he has his own journey of trying to refine that before he can really probably get it up in front of other people and, and try to help them through it too. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I love that his, I love his acknowledgement of that here, that that's more scary to him even than death. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but Nora wants to know what he will tell people about her and he says whatever you want him to which this plays very well into the ambiguous ending that we get as well that matt is going to say whatever she wants so if she goes through and she wants to him to say that she died in a boating accident then he'll do that if she doesn't go through and she and she wants him to say that she did go through he'll do that too so we can't necessarily put any stock into the fact that Matt told Kevin that she went through. Mm-hmm. And we can't do that because he says here, I'll tell people whatever you want me to tell them. Oh, Matt. Yeah. You were the best. <laughs> is he, is he your favorite character? No, but okay. Well, maybe he is. I do really like Matt. Old John and Matt are probably so probably Matt because old John's now new John. <laughs> I saw glimpses of old John and new John, but yeah, he could never break out. No, old John is is definitely gone. So, all right. So when they come to see if she's ready, Matt says, "Of course she's ready. She's the bravest girl on earth," which. Would have been a nice uh, last line for him to have. He does get one more, which is also nice. But that would that's a that's a nice last scene for him. Um, and then we get to see the device, mm-hmm. which is freaky as hell. It does. It is very scary. <laughs> oh my god! And she she has to like walk this pretty you know not insignificant length to get to the the chamber itself the event chamber yeah, there's a long truck and a long wait block i don't know she's to walk this far naked I, I mean, they need all these lasers i guess i mean whatever but but she uses that time to reflect and she has these flashbacks of her children but they're not like happy flashbacks they're mostly flashbacks of right before they departed Mm -hmm. why do you think 
those that's what she's thinking of because she's about to depart okay so i think there might be a little more to it or than do, you that. Think she, do you think she's trying to think herself out of it well i think you're right that it's because she's she's about to depart but i also think that in remembering that i think that it, it could serve a couple other purposes it could serve the purpose of her thinking man this was not as rosy as i remember it like i i've i've put this on this pedestal you know have having my family and, and I've, I've you know fixated on it so much that i've forgotten that it wasn't perfect mm-hmm. and that what i have here might even be better okay so i think that it could serve that purpose the other purpose i think it could serve is to kind of warn her that the last thing her kids remember about her is her like being impatient and yelling at them yeah or not 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 a kind last memory right and if that's the last thing they remember if they're still you know sentient wherever they are that's how they remember their mother there's a reason for her not to go through with that right maybe she didn't go through with it Right. So, so exactly. So I think that those flashbacks are there to show us that she's having doubts mm-hmm. because if, if she was a hundred percent on board with this, she'd be seeing the flashback of that day she talked about in season one where they were all sick in bed together. Yeah. Right. Or that day at the beach where they were all so happy. Mm-hmm. Th- that's what she'd be seeing if she was a hundred percent on board with this. But because she's not, she's seeing these flashbacks that are traumatic. And when she gets in the machine, this thing fills up. I mean, I I don't, uh, this is just completely terrifying to me. <laughs> Being in this plastic bubble that's filling up with a liquid. In the three beeps. <laughs> oh, those three beeps are so, like... They're so aggressive and sinister, aren't they? Give <laughs> someone's nice beeps. Why you gotta give me these mean beeps? <laughs> mean. Why can't Why can't you just tell me? Hold your breath. Like three, two, one, go. Or as some might do, ready, set, go. But yeah, exactly. But but they she she takes a big breath in, but then when she closes her mouth, it looks very clearly to me like she as clenching her teeth i thought she messed up i thought her mouth was still open i was like oh no right you can still see her teeth uh-huh. right uh, but it looks like she's making her teeth in the shape that you would make them to make the s sound okay oh. <laughs> all right yeah yeah so i guess if someone was trying to say i don't know sausage Correct. Could be sausage. Maybe she really wants pork. She was wait before I go. Did any pigs depart? Because this place might not have any pigs. <laughs> Could I have some sausage to bring with me to these people on the other side? If there is another side, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, but I mean, clearly, the ambiguity there is: did she take a breath and hold her breath, or did she scream stop? Yeah. And it is very very unclear which it is i tend to come down on the side of she said stop i really don't know i i ended 
So I didn't even think about that's what she, I thought she was going to mess it up. At the end of this episode, I thought Nora was lying. I went with Nora's lying. Okay. So. I, gonna do well. I, so, I, so that means she would have to stop there, which yelling stop works fine. Yeah. Or she I, got scammed, but. I also think she's lying, Um, but I, I, I'll reiterate what I've already said. I don't think it matters whether she's lying or not. That's not the point of the story. No, not at all. Was that? Not at all. Yeah. 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 But I do think she was lying. I think that the more I, because I, I watched it a couple of times and I've already seen this a few times and maybe it's because maybe it's confirmation bias, but it really looks like she's making an S sound right when they cut away. Because I don't know anybody who holds their breath with their lips open, but their teeth clenched. <laughs> <laughs> so, just saying. All right. I mean, you can hold your breath with your mouth open, right? You you definitely can, but she's going to fill up with this fluid. This metal. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I, 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 think, I think there's an S sound there. Uh, but for right from right from there, we're at that scene that we had at the end of episode one. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, Nora, you know, taking the birds to the church. You know, the nun says, "Love is in the air." We don't get so we usually get so many so close together. Now we know she's talking about weddings. Okay, uh, that's why love is in the air. Um, and this is where the nun asks her about Kevin, and Nora denies that the name Kevin means anything to her, which of course we know is a lie. Like that is the Oh most- yeah, there's another lie right there. And yeah. the nun lying to Kevin. So there's two more lies I forgot. Yeah. yeah, there's th- this is like maybe the most clear lie we've had from Nora. <laughs> like she definitely knows Kevin. That name definitely means something to her. Oh my lies. Yeah. But the reason that the nun we didn't know why the nun was asking this way back in episode one but now she tells us that because someone named kevin came to the church looking for her had a picture of her um and she the nun didn't say anything about her but she suspects that kevin knows she's lying so here's more talk of lying of course there's a big theme in this episode is lying rightfully so yes absolutely so Nora is shook by this so much so that she rushes home and packs a to-go bag like immediately. She's preparing. Yeah. I, I don't think she was preparing. I think she was leaving. Oh, I think, I think that was it. She was on her way out, except that Kevin knocks on the door before she can leave. Well, didn't she was just going to leave everything behind her? Like she was going to leave for like a week or two and then come back. Hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. She's packing. Yeah, it's a good question. But she, I mean, she did take the money out of the freezer. Yeah. I don't think she has any intention of coming back here. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I think she was gone. Oh, yeah. Kevin is able to intercept her, though. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And I mean, I think these two play this scene so well that like the, the shock and the relief of seeing each other simultaneously is, is really incredible. And 
it's very, very strange because Kevin claims he doesn't really know her very well, that they met at, a, at that dance in BJ and the AC. Yeah. Worst and, episode. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Probably. Uh, maybe. Um, and that he recognized her on her bike. That's what Kevin's claiming here. Now, I was when I first saw this, I was like, "What is going on here? Is is this Nora's like hotel, or is this like is Kevin back at the hotel here and Nora's dead, or is this?" Uh, did Nora go through and now Kevin's gone through too? Like, mm-hmm. I I did not know what was going on. Did you have any inkling about what was going so on? So I thought she did not go through. So at this point, I thought she had gotten scammed. Okay. Did not go through. And I thought uh, Kevin was suffering from some, some sort of like dementia or some sort of like disease of the brain. Okay. And she was like, you know, he's just forgetting things. And maybe due to like, emotional trauma he's he's like memory held or he doesn't really remember his time with nora okay so you you were your theories were very grounded in reality mine, yeah mine were i i did not at all i did not think nora was at the hotel at all or okay. i thought she was still in the regular world yep okay well nora does not believe this for a second she says that's not what happened and she tells him that she knows that he showed the nun a picture of her but he sticks to his story. I mean, and, and <laughs> like rapidly changes the subject to they're having this. Are you married? <laughs> like he's like immediately. Oh, why would I have a picture of you? Are you married? <laughs> like very quickly changes the subject, um, and invites her to this dance in town. And he says that he couldn't forgive himself if he didn't. Aww. yeah. Which is interesting. An interesting thing to say. Given the story that he's telling, I mean, but it's an opportunity of a lifetime. Okay. Seeing someone that you barely knew back at your hometown, halfway <laughs> across the world, and then going to dance with them at a wedding you were just recently invited to. I mean that—that's what I mean. That's that's like, if it's if he's going to stick with the story. It seems odd that he would say he couldn't forgive himself if he didn't ask her to this dance. I think um, right there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I see what you're saying. Though. Yeah. So I, I guess that's there probably intentionally to give us a hint that he remembers more than he's letting on. So, but she just completely dismisses him. You need to leave now. Uh, and, and he says, all right, well, I, I will, but I'll, I'll be there if you change your mind. So. Hmm. Anything you want to add about that scene? No, I just I just started feeling really sad for Kevin. I was like, oh no, Kevin, he's losing it. Oh, uh, or or so this also made me think: what if this is also the show makers collapsing? This kind of you know, it was Kevin crazy, or was everything he was doing you know true? He was going to this hotel, right? Mm-hmm. So I was like. Is it is it all somehow just he's crazy, right? So like, are they are they collapsing this down to Kevin was just crazy? Yeah, I mean, I guess if, if you or has he gone crazy because of the things he's seen? Like, did that? Yeah, I think there's definitely a, a middle ground there where he could be 
he could have lost his mind. Yeah, yeah. We literally, cause that was a song, you know, <laughs> Pixies yeah. losing yeah. my mind or whatever. Yeah, but it doesn't mean that he was crazy then. It just... Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, he could he could have been crazy, and that was all false. But it also could have been. It really did happen, but it turned him. Cra- it made him crazy. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, but maybe part of it's true. Maybe bits and pieces were true. Other bits and pieces were him just being crazy. Okay. Yeah. I Absolutely. I don't even know that it needs to be crazy. I think that if you have a near-death experience, there's probably something going on in your brain at that point. And it could just be that that's what he feels like he went through when he was near death. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But but I think it was probably a good call to, to think that he had some sort of mental, uh, at least memory issue um, in this scene. Mm-hmm. But. so after he leaves Nora gets on her bike goes to the a phone booth apparently she doesn't even have a phone in this place and I don't know what this phone booth is doing here <laughs> yeah, it's literally in the middle of nowhere yeah. like I guess maybe other people might bike to this phone booth. it's just I don't know maybe that's why there's a phone booth there because like for the people that live in the middle of nowhere if somebody is there they really are going to need a phone booth. <laughs> Maybe. I, yeah, I really don't know why Nora doesn't have a phone, but whatever, she has to go to this phone booth. Must be really annoying to keep in contact with people because basically it all has to revolve around you. Like, you have to call them. Mm-hmm. And if they want to call you, you have to be by this phone booth, which is in your house. So basically, you have to call them always. Right. Well, I don't think Nora really keeps in touch with many people. No, but she does with Lori. Yes. Which, now, what do you think of Lori being alive? I hate you. Why? You sold me down the river that she died. Why? You, you, I was, I was pretty gunko that she was going to live. And then you kept pushing. I don't know though, Kurt. She did jump in there with that scooby. You, you kept creeping it into my head that she died. And then I eventually swapped my mind to that she died. Okay, well, to be fair, I would have gone the other way if you had come down hard on the side of she's alive. Or mm, she's dead. Maybe you would have. But, but would, are you okay with her being alive? Yeah, I'm okay with her being alive. Okay. I, I question the baby that she has with her. I, I, I assume if that's Jill's baby, yeah, because she would also be the grandma to that baby. Right. So. That's... That's what I assume as well. And Kevin does say that Jill has a one-year-old, so mm-hmm. it's possible that, that was a one-year-old. It's probably a, a little, you know, young for a one-year-old, but yeah, I have no clue how old a one-year-old or how a one-year-old should look. But I was like, that's a pretty young kid. Could be yeah. Jill's baby. I mean, I, I don't. You don't usually like cradle a one-year-old like that. You know okay. what I mean? Like, cradle like have it lay down in your arms like that. You'd normally have it. Does a one-year-old walk? Yeah, it can. Okay. It doesn't have to. Uh, I have two kids. One was walking at the age of one. One didn't walk until one and a half. How do you feel about, like, when you see, like, a four-year-old walking with their parents? And when the parent takes, like, two steps, the little kid is jogging and takes, like, six steps to keep up. <laughs> Like do you, do you do that when you had when your kids were super super young? Did you do that to them? And did you laugh about it? How they had to jog to constantly keep up? 
No, that didn't make them try to keep up. I slowed down. I find it hysterical whenever I go to like a like a grocery store and I see a a parent. Uh, usually, usually parents bigger, like maybe a dad typically, but it can be a mom too, and they're just walking, maybe even briskly, but like the kid has to like jog to keep up. Yeah, because <laughs> they have to take so many more steps per one adult step. <laughs> so okay, interesting. Yeah, that is. That is... I guess it's weird to see, but, but anyway, uh, this apparently is a regular thing, uh, that, you know, Lori says same time next week at the end of this conversation, um, Lori makes the statement that they agreed that Lori doesn't tell Nora about the people there and she doesn't tell them about Nora. So, um, that's, that's the deal that they have. Uh, and she says, if you don't want to go to the dance and you want him to leave you alone, why'd you call me? And Nora's response is that I thought you told him where I was. And Lori denies that categorically and says, you called me because you wanted me to tell you it's okay to go to the dance. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Nora's pretty pissed off at Lori and just kind of hangs up the phone abruptly and goes back home. And when she goes home, she locks up tight. I mean, she locks up every window. She She's locks ready. What's that? She's ready. For what? What The zombie apocalypse. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's getting in or getting out of this house without her say so. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I love the doors in this house. I don't know if this is like a Australian countryside thing or not, but like the door knobs are at eye level. I did not pay attention to that. It's very strange. Why, if you ever see it again, just it's the doorknobs are right there at your eyes, so it makes it look like the door is enormous. Because mm-hmm. it makes you know we're so used to our doorknobs being right at about I don't know hip level, a little higher than hip level, yeah, like mm-hmm. belt level or so. Um, so when we see somebody reaching, you know, their hand so high to get to a doorknob, the eye level. It looks like it's like either a miniature person or a gigantic door. It sounds like an anti-childproof door. How do you stop a child from opening up a door? Put the door up super high up. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, yeah, they could climb some stuff, but still harder. Yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> but she she goes so far. She's locking every door, every window. She even goes so far as to lock herself in the bathroom while she takes a bath and with a broken door. Like this door was off its hinges and she locks herself in with this door. And as such, she has a lot of trouble getting out of it. Yeah, she has to jam or push the door down. Yeah, she actually, yeah, exactly. She literally has to like throw herself against it to break it down. Yeah. And that, for some reason, that event seems to shake her because the next thing is that she does is go to the dance. So what I, I mean I, I always felt like there's there must be some sort of metaphor here like she she's locked herself in do you know what I mean like she has locked everybody out of her life to the point where she is trapped inside her own head and she has to break down that barrier and when she does she gives cha- Kevin the chance to to come in I don't know do you think I'm off on that 
I mean that 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 is a further level of thinking than I went. Okay. And I think that, but I think that is not a bad idea. Yeah, <laughs> I, like, I, I like that idea. I I don't know why they have this happen unless we're supposed to derive some meaning from it. So that's what I think. Fair enough. And this is a long episode. It is. Know. Yeah. Every bit better count. Yeah, exactly. And I honestly, I think that it's an interesting format because the it's like. The first 15 minutes are like the prologue of the episode, which is that's the her getting ready to go into the machine, the mat libs and all that. Mm-hmm. The last 15 minutes are like the epilogue of the whole series with the conversation that she and Kevin have at the table. And then there's all the like regular episode action that happens in between. Yeah. Yeah. So it is an interestingly structured episode, but it is a little bit long. Uh, I mean, all the finales have been about an hour and 15 minutes, so. There's nothing. Not, it's not abnormally long, yeah. Right. Yeah. So she goes to this wedding reception. And as soon as she gets there, you know, there's a guest who says, oh, you don't have any beads. Here, take some of mine. She refuses, of course, because she's Nora. Uh, but this turns out to not be a dance, but a wedding, the wedding of Aggie and Eddie. Yeah, I, I want to stop here because at this point, I, I was really self-reflecting on these people dancing and having a great time. And I, we, we already went over how long it has been. But I wondered to myself, how long has it been? And more importantly, how long has it been since the departure? Like, is, this still, oh, is this still a big deal to people? I That's feel true. like it isn't, especially to the younger people. Like, these guys yeah. getting married now, if we say it's been... How long do you want to say it's been since the departure? Uh, I want to say it's been 27 years. 20, okay, 27 years? Yeah. I mean, if they're getting married, let's say they're 30 getting married. Yeah. They're only, they're only three years old. They barely remember it. Like, yeah. it's 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 like, um, it's probably, you know, how people felt after World War II and then new people being born and never experiencing certain atrocities or Pearl Harbor or something like that along those lines. I felt when your class came into my classroom and doesn't remember 9-11. Yeah, like that. I think because okay, because you, yeah, you were born before nine eleven. I I was alive. I was actually in New York City during nine eleven, but I was too young to remember anything. Okay, yeah, exactly. I saw even despite being in New York City for nine eleven, I remember nothing of it, and it does not really affect me in that personal sense. My parents are there; they they've experienced it, but I I have no like you know personal afflictions from 9-11 right stuff like that but yeah. yeah i know i know people that were alive not even in new york city you weren't in new york city for it but you have feelings for 9-11 for sure yeah you're alive for it. it witnessed it and saw it on tv in the news and yeah i mean it's just one of those life-changing events like everything changed when that happened and so it was shocking to me the first time i had a group of students that didn't remember it yeah <laughs> so that's that's I was thinking about that now. Of I I feel like a predominant number of people have either moved on by now or just don't remember it. Like, yeah, there's still quite a few people that probably do. But how many people were adults for when it happened? You would have had to have been eighteen, so you would have been twenty seven, uh, thirty. No, not thirty six. Forty six. You'd be forty six right now if you're eighteen and the departure happened. Right. That's a long time. Like you've lived so much of an adult life. Yep. I just I feel like most people would have would have moved on 
by now. And if they haven't, I mean, they're getting older, and there's more people coming into this world that don't have that affliction on them. It's true. So I was like, oh, I wonder if the world's moved on and Nora has been left behind as the as people have, yeah, moved on. Yeah, that's a great point. And I, I mean, we don't get any answers to that because we don't even know if this is around the time of the anniversary, but... Um, I was also thinking at this point, because <laughs> I was like, you know, this is quite a bit in the future, like at least a decade or two in the future. So if this is in the future, what would happen if Nora just like went in her pocket and got like a, um, I can't, hi, not not a hieroglyph. I what was it when it's like the the Star Wars three D projection hologram hologram? She started having a hologram conversation with someone, or she went on her like her jetpack and flew off somewhere. <laughs> Yeah. Like they just, they, like they they've had all this stuff, and they just blatantly show some futuristic item because, well, we're in the future now. Yeah, it's interesting too because, like, because it's set in the middle of nowhere, it that never really comes up. They, yeah, they don't really show any futuristic technology because surely in like twenty years and twenty thirty seven, where we're ballparking this to be, I mean, look at all the technology since two thousand. There's got to be something else. But, for sure, I mean the car still looks similar enough. Good to, we're good to go. So, yeah, I don't, I don't really. That's not really much of a. I'm not, I'm not mad about that or anything. I was yeah. just, I became cognizant at this point about the time scale that's passed and things that have changed and how this the show has really evolved past the departure. I've gone over this over and over again, but it's really gone far past the departure. For, yeah, to the point where like. The departures of, I mean, you know, Nora's story about going through in the machine. I don't know. Do you consider the machine the departure or no? In a way, when I say in this case, I mean most people. It is. This is not like we are looking at a special case. Yes. Nora's a special case. I think even like like Kevin's moved on past the departure. The departure is not what afflicts him right now. It seems like Nora's the one that afflicts him. Yep. Uh. Yeah, I I think most characters we've seen have gone past the departure. We haven't seen Grace. Uh, and it appears that still plagues her, but for their own, like for their own reason, these are special cases, right? These are people that were directly affected and lost a young child. North case lost her family, so special cases, but yeah, yeah, it's still, yeah, so yeah. understandable, but just interesting. It is. People are moving on, and yeah. looking at this happy wedding. Yeah, it is a happy wedding. And in this happy wedding, Kevin sticks to his story. He says he goes so far as to say that this is his first time in Australia. <laughs> he said that she never invited him to Miami because he definitely would have gone. <laughs> He's really doubling down. I felt really sad for Kevin. I'm like, oh, Kevin, you don't remember this? <laughs> he even says he never left Mapleton. He says he still... I know. That's what I was... Re- I- I, I was fully believing Kevin. <laughs> Kevin can't lie to me. Oh, man. Uh, but he does he does tell us, too, that Matt is dead and that uh, he was hoping that Nora would be at Matt's funeral, but she wasn't. But there were over 400 people there. Mary gave the eulogy. So it sounds like Matt and Mary reconciled, mm-hmm. which, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Matt has had his faith shaken. Uh, recognized his misplaced faith, and that was what was preventing uh, his relationship from Mary uh, from being a healthy one. So, good for Mary, yeah. Yeah, it is. It's really good for Mary. Yeah, yeah good for Mary. Yep. 
That's too good for her. Good for her. Ah. <laughs> I'm joking. Most people say good for Matt. No, good for Mary. Yeah. Matt's, Matt's a prize. Yeah. So <laughs> I love when Nora asks about Jill and Tommy. Kevin's like, <laughs> what are my kids' names? It's a little creepy, but, you know, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm impressed, but. Yeah. A little creepy. Yep. But... I really. Kevin really sold me down a river. <laughs> yeah. But this is, we get the check in on all the other characters uh, through Kevin here. Jill mm-hmm. married to a great guy, has a one year old child. Tommy's marriage didn't work out so well. He's divorced. Um, Kevin never remarried because he says he's still holding a candle for her, which that's a gutsy thing to say to someone. If if you actually believe the story that you're telling. Yeah, I was like, wait, how are you holding a candle? Like, is this... So, remember, my thought process, he's, he's going through some sort of dementia, he's forgetting things. So maybe just he has this unrational love for Nora. He doesn't know why. Right. But he just loves her. And that's why he's still holding a candle for her. He just knows that he loves her. Doesn't know why, doesn't really remember too much about her. Just knows I, I really fancy that Nora Durst. <laughs> so, I just, I was, I was still hook, line, sinkered for Kevin because that did not waver me. I, I explained that away. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's that's an interesting point because I guess that that would be the connective tissue between. I barely know you yet. I'm holding a candle for you. Yeah, good call. But he says that senior is 91, still alive. And Nora's response to that is, well, he must be immortal. Runs in the family. Yes. So, by the way, when we heard Matt died, I was like, oh, no. And Senior's going to be dead, too. My predictions. I was very sad about that. But Senior was still in it, so. Yes. Yep. So, Kevin, or sorry, Senior uh, must be immortal. Yep. Runs in the family, and then... Kevin tells us that he's not immortal. He's got a heart condition that was never diagnosed and he needs to have a pacemaker. He even offers to show her the scar. Scar over the heart. Yeah. Mm. We've seen that before. (laughs) Very interesting. Yeah. 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 Could it be that it houses a nuclear football key? (laughs) But seriously, what? What's the connection here? I mean, I know the connection is based off um, you know, the last episode where Kevin stabs open Kevin to get a key from Kevin's heart. President Kevin from Assassin Kevin. But I wonder how that reaches into the real world. Is it just a coincidence? Or I don't know. Um, well, I, I, I guess it could be a coincidence or it could be that everything that happened in that fake world actually happened and that he came back with a heart condition. <laughs> oh, oh, I didn't even think of it like that. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I like that. I like it a lot. I like, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> I'm for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I'm living with that. Good. I, I like that one too, but 
the next thing that they are supposed to do at this wedding is they're all supposed to write their message of love. Aggie comes over and sits on Kevin's lap and says, oh, she came and you didn't think she would come and, you know, write your letters of love and we'll put them on the birds. And then Kevin does, Nora won't. And he says, that's for, you know, my, my note is for me to know. And so what does he say for me to know? And somebody and somebody far away to find out someone yeah just someone else to find out whoever gets that letter yeah, yeah. yeah right basically what he says and i even wrote at this point we will what i i don't i put a lot of zeros we will 100,000 percent know what that says <laughs> because they're nora's birds so i was like nora's they're, they're gonna fly back so what's gonna happen here is nora's gonna go back home those birds are gonna fly back and she's gonna look through we're gonna have like a montage of nora reading all these notes which we're trying to figure out which ones is Kevin's. And then uh, she finds a note and just somehow knows that note is from Kevin. Yeah. And that, there you go. But we don't get that. Do we? No. So, that, well, she reads through the notes, but those notes are not the new notes. Those are from, like, before. Yes. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. So I was like, yeah. So, kind of... They they really got me with this one. I really thought we were gonna see Kevin's note. I mean, there was a montage of her reading notes. There was. I mean, I, I guess that's true. But I, I really thought it'd be a montage looking for Kevin's note. Right. Maybe well, maybe she. That's why she's so freaked out that the birds are not back. That's she, why I thought she was bothered because she wanted to read Kevin's note. Yeah, that could be. But also because those birds seem to be our livelihood, or at least part of it. So. Right. 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 Exactly. A lot of birds to retrain. Yeah, that's true. So Aggie and Eddie give their their speeches. Uh, you know, their Aggie's is very cute. I think I may be pregnant. That was yeah, pretty funny. Eddie's is is a lot more serious. He talks about the big difference between sin and a mistake, uh, being that a sin is when you know something's wrong and you do it anyway. A mistake is just effing up. And he promises Aggie that he will. He looks forward to a lifetime of effing up with her, but he will never sin again. Aww. Yeah, it's cute. And I actually love that that definition and that comparison because there's a big difference between screwing up and like intentionally, maliciously knowing that you're going to hurt somebody and doing it anyway. It is. I like the definition. I agree. That's a... Yeah, and it and it comes in handy when in talking about sins because they're what they do next is they explain how in biblical times goats were driven into the desert with the sins of the community on them. Uh, this is where the, the term scapegoat comes from. Uh-huh. Okay, uh, and the beads that they all have are supposed to represent their sins, and they are supposed to unburden themselves by taking their sins sin beads off of themselves and putting them on the goat, and then the goat will be driven off. Uh, far away so that they can be unburdened of their sins that's the representation here yeah wow sacrificing a goat yeah 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 (laughs) have you seen a goat sacrificed before (laughs) no no i haven't so i i really i thought oh is this going to trigger a memory in kevin like this goat's gonna goat sacrifice but does not but nor does jump right on that oh for sure But Kevin plays right along, puts the beads on the goat, you know, gives the goat a pat on the head, gets right in its face. He unburdens himself of his sins. She 
has no beads to put on the goat. But as soon as Kevin unburdens himself, he asks her to dance and she accepts. And I, this dance is, is just gorgeous. It's, it's beautiful. I mean, mm-hmm. they're both on the brink of tears, like almost right from the beginning uh, to the point where they, they just are em- outright embracing each other, you know, face to face, cheek to cheek, tears streaming down their faces. And eventually Nora just has to ask again, how did you find me? And he still is sticking to his story. Despite like, there's definite connection here. This definitely seems like they both want this very badly. And he probably could tell the truth here, Mm -hmm. but he's so deep into it that he's sticking with his story, which is exactly the way you could look at Nora's tale at the end that, you know, she's so deep into it that she needs to just stick with the story. So she says she has to leave. She can't handle this. Um, She says, because it's not true. And when Nora gets home, the birds aren't there yet. So what does she do? She climbs up on top of a roof. They're roof climbing. Yep. I mean, how many roof climbing climbings is this this season? Three. At least four by my count. Oh yeah, four because Kevin's. Uh, I forgot about inside the uh, last episode and Kevin's um, yeah. in in his world. Yeah, him and Patty are on top of the roof. So. Oh, five. Never mind. Five. So wait, wait. What? What are the roof class? I, I thought of obviously the premiere. Yep. The, the Miller Wright uh, here, uh, and two in the last episode where Kevin climbs the roof to talk to Senior and Kevin on the roof with Patty. Yep, and um, Kevin a Senior climbs the roof to fix Christopher Sunday's. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Air conditioner, which. Another example of misplaced faith. So every time there's been a roof climbing, it's been misplaced faith, except maybe with Kevin and Patty in in the uh, <clears throat> nuclear fallout. Almost maybe it was misplaced faith. That's a little nod at it. Mm. Could be. Shouldn't have listened to Patty. So what's Nora's misplaced faith here? Hmm. This is the question. Uh... Nora's misplaced faith in the ladder device. I don't know. Uh, maybe yeah, that could be. Um, could be I, more topical than that. Either I mean, maybe the nun and the birds. The birds. The birds do eventually come back. Maybe, maybe it's in herself. Maybe oh. she. What? I just. I don't like that. You don't like that maybe she's misplaced her faith in herself? Yeah. See, I, th- I think that if... I'm not convinced that there is a metaphor for misplaced faith here, but I think that if there is, it's that she has misplaced her faith in her own self-righteousness. <laughs> that means she's wrong. <laughs> that's, that's a, that's a very, I feel like that's a roundabout way of saying that she was wrong. Well, just that, that she is recognizing that she is getting in the way that she, if she could just accept Kevin's story, they could have a chance together, but okay. she, she's getting in her own way of that. She's getting in her own way. Cause she 
feels that Kevin is lying. That right. And Nora, can cannot, she cannot abide a lie. I see what you're saying. Yeah. She cannot abide a lie, except for when she makes up the lie. Exactly. Then there's that a lie. That's really what happened. Exactly. Um, but she can't find the birds. She looks for them, can't find them. She rides back to the church. And when she gets there, she catches a guy climbing down a ladder, not from the roof, but from a window uh, at the convent. <laughs> Which is strange because this, this, should, this place only houses nuns. Yeah, I was really confused. <laughs> so nuns take a vow of celibacy. So they are not allowed to have sex. I did not. I not realize this was the convent. I didn't realize this was a nun home yet not until, right? You know, a bit conversationally later. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, so Nora knocks on the door. Well, she knocks on the door and she calls out the nun for uh, screwing up the birds. Did you give them the seed that I gave you? Like, what, did you didn't feed them right before you released them? Did you like? She she's blaming her for for the missing birds, um, and. She says they're trained to do one thing, come home. They have a range of 15 miles. That is it. Okay, so, you know, I, I don't care what your, what your uh, newlyweds believe. I'm not buying what you're selling here. And the nun says, I'm not trying to sell you anything, but it's, it's just a nicer story. <laughs> so I, I love that line as kind of a Rosetta Stone for this whole episode that i'm not trying to sell you anything it's just a nicer story because isn't that what kevin is trying to do here i feel that's what both are trying to do yeah well uh, well, if we assume well we know kevin's lying yes and so yeah he's he literally is trying to sell a better story yep nora could be lying and if she is she's trying to sell a better story yeah exactly yeah Exactly. So I, I love that line, that whole interaction. But Nora still dismisses her and calls her out for having sex with the guy. Uh, but the nun denies it. And the nun calls her a liar. Or Nora calls the nun a liar. And the nun basically calls Nora a liar right back, saying that she saw her dancing with that man that she said she didn't know. <laughs> well, there's another lie. I forgot. Exactly. So many lies this episode. So many. There are, and, and intentionally so, uh, because we need to have that doubt in our mind when she tells that story at the end. But on the way home, Nora falls off of her bike because sin beads get caught in the wheels of her bike. And I mean, she, ta- she goes like over the handlebars. Yeah, she, like her bike kind of just stopped. It stopped. Yeah, and she yeah. did not. No. <laughs> That's called inertia. Way to go. But, she did. She biffed it, as some would say. <laughs> she did. So, but she hears this goat bleating, uh, and she it turns out it's caught on a fence at the top of a steep, steep hill, a really steep hill, and it's caught by the beads. the The beads that the goat was wearing are trapped on this fence. Nora tries. She she climbs up. She falls. She climbs again. And she gets to the goat. And when she does, she takes a bunch of the beads off the goat and puts them on herself. Now, remember, those beads are meant to represent the sins of the community, right? She Mm -hmm. rejected beads when she got to the wedding. She refused to acknowledge that she had 
any sin to unburden herself of. She have no sin. Right. And now she is taking on a whole lot of it. So I think there is a moment of recognition here that she may be in the wrong. Mm-hmm. Those those beads, uh, we know they represent sin, and I think that that is intentional that we see her put them on. Um, and <clears throat> when she returns home with the, she's got the goat with her. There's still goat. free goat. Yep, there's still no birds, but she takes those sin beads off when she gets home, and where does she put them? She hangs them outside, right? No. Where does she, where she hang them? She puts them somewhere. She, she takes them off and she puts them on the paper towel roll. Oh, my. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Oh, what a... I mean, what, what significance is a paper towel roll? <laughs> so this is a big callback. <laughs> this is a, yeah, this to, is a callback. If you don't remember, this is a big callback to season one when she did not replace her paper towels for three years after her family departed because um, that the paper towels is what she used to, to uh, clean up the spilled orange juice, right? Yeah, whatever the uh, child spilled. Yeah, and she would not replace that paper towel roll for three years until she got the hug from Holy Wayne. That, is, that episode, after she got the Holy Hug, she replaced the paper towel rolls. And now she's laying the sins that she has recognized in herself upon this roll of paper towels. Is kind of, to me that's that's symbolic of her moving on from from the departure and recognizing where she's been wrong. Mm-hmm. So uh, she goes outside. She st- the goat has been eating the messages. She brings the goat some vegetables instead, and she starts reading these love messages. But while she's reading them, Kevin comes back, and he's ready to tell the truth because he's he's recognized he can't possibly get, win her back with this lie. So he tells the truth. He says he didn't believe that she was dead. Every year. For his two, he gets two weeks of vacation every year, and every year he comes to Australia looking for her. I love the way he says those because he says it in both like a like a loving way, but also kind of angry. Like I only get two weeks of vacation, and I wasted here. Mm -hmm. God. Yeah, and every year I tell myself I'm not doing this again. I can't keep coming here. Every year I do it again. So when he saw her, he just didn't even know what to say. So he he thought. He would just erase it all and give them another chance. He says, that's how I found you, Nora. I refuse to believe you were gone. Which is not all that dissimilar from what Nora was going through with her kids. She refused to believe that she couldn't see them again. Mm -hmm. So. (sighs) I I love this scene. I, I love hearing his explanation uh I, and i love how accepting she is of it because now that he's told her the truth she invites him in for tea yeah i do like kevin's like confused he's like i'm okay yeah, yeah. 
but it's I, I don't I think it's a combination. I think it's first of all that he's telling her the truth, but second of all, I think she has had she's had she has hit a turning point. She climbs up on that roof, and I think that's symbolic of her recognizing that she has misplaced her faith in her own self-righteousness when she climbs up and saves that goat and pulls the beads off the goat and puts them on herself. She's recognized that, you know, yeah, maybe Kevin's lying, but I'm being pretty unreasonable, unreasonable about all this too. And I, I should, I have some of the blame in this as well. She puts those beads on the paper towel and she's putting her past behind her. And now she's ready to invite Kevin in for tea. So they do you know some catch up on everything about their families uh was true so everything that kevin said about jill and tommy and senior all that stuff is true um but the one thing that wasn't true is that he is not still in mapleton he's still in jarden in their old house and nora asks about the uh the murphys says michael runs the church erica's great she goes to the church every once in a while John and Lori still live next door. So it seems like everything's going pretty well for them. Mm -hmm. And Nora confesses to him that she talks to Lori sometimes. <laughs> she also confesses to him that about the hotel room. You were right, Kevin. And that's a big deal for, for Nora to say you were right. Because Nora's obsession with her own self-righteousness has gotten in the way of so much. So for her to admit that she was wrong and Kevin was right here is a big deal. Don't you think? Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely is a big deal. Mm -hmm. And it made me question, if Nora felt this way, uh, why didn't she go hunt him down? Right. And she does address this. And she does address it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But she just she claims that she went through. You know, Kevin says, "So you you so you changed your mind?" And she says, "No, I went through." And she describes in great detail what it was like. I was like, "Oh, what a liar!" <laughs> this uh -huh. I immediately thought she was lying. Now she does give it some credence at the end when she talks about uh, the doctor. But I mean, we'll, 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 we'll tell the whole story. But I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to go through the whole story. But... Okay. But she, she's got a lot of detail here. Like she does have a lot of detail. You know, I, I, I was in the same parking lot, but I was naked and there was nobody there. I found a clothing store, but there's nobody in the clothing store, so I just went in and got dressed. She doesn't say I went in and bought some clothes. I went in and got dressed. You know, um, this like too convenient though. Like, why is no one in the clothing store? Because there's nobody. There's only two percent of the world's population. Yeah, but it's been seven years. Okay. Like what? Like, surely there's not just. I mean, maybe there would just be no former businesses that just are sat there still yeah, idle. Wouldn't you think that two with two percent of the world's population only there that they would kind of congregate toward each other? Fair enough, but I feel like they would have taken these resources over seven years, right? Like these are shirts that you could resell. How many resources do you need? That's fair enough. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think there, there's a very good likelihood that there's just abandoned whole towns. Mm -hmm. so. I agree with that. Yeah, definitely abandoned places. Tons of abandoned places. I question being able to walk into a store and just grab some clothing. But that's true. 2% is, you know, a 50th 
<laughs> that is that is a really tiny portion. You are right. Yeah. Oh, oh I love those words. You're right. <laughs> anyway, um, the the most important stuff to take out of this, I don't think, is the details about you know. It took me a long time. I couldn't travel by plane because they don't have enough pilots. Like that stuff, I think, is the stuff that's clearly made up. The the important stuff to me is when she says things like, here, we lost some of them, but over there, they lost all of us. Because these are realizations that are absolutely true, regardless of whether she went through or not. Right? Like, I mean they're true but would you hit that realization because if you don't know if they've died or not Mm -hmm. or where they are right so she doesn't know that they're in the same world kind of just minus the other 98 percent, right until she went there herself like she could have believed maybe they're in some mystic land like the hotel maybe they're somewhere else yep so when she says that i don't think that's as obvious because yeah they're, they're without the other 98 but we don't know what circumstances they're living in but nor nor claims that they're still living in basically the exact same circumstances. Just instead of losing two percent, they lost the re- you know the other ninety eight percent. They are the two percent, right? So I I see what she means by that, mm-hmm. and it's believable. Well, yeah. I, I, well, I think that regardless of where they are, no matter what their circumstances are, you know they they lost ninety eight percent of the people, mm-hmm. whereas. Nora and Kevin only lost 2% of the people. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> but when she describes seeing her family, I mean, you can, you can hear her make this description you, and you can absolutely, you can accept it that this actually happened, but you can also see this as she played this out in her mind right before she, that tank started filling up. And it and it made her stop because she did not want to. This was this would have been like a, a best case scenario that they're all right where they right in Mapleton in the house, still together. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, I was very dubious to that. Like Mapleton was not a very big town. Right. So why are people still living in Mapleton? Especially if people are gonna congregate together, maybe. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Just but she says that they were happy. They were the lucky ones over there. In a world full of orphans, they still had each other. And I was a ghost who had no place there. I mean, when you hear her say that, you can easily understand that that's just what she played out in her head. That's just the thought she had right before she was about to go through. And that's why she stopped it. Because she was like, even in a best case scenario, it's been seven years. They've got each other. I don't belong there. Mm-hmm. They've they've made a new life for themselves, so I I love I love this part of it because it can easily apply whether she went through or not. Yep. I to- I her story is believable, mm-hmm. but I it totally feels like she did not go through. Mm-hmm. But that makes sense even if she didn't. But it still works out. It works out either way. Just yep. like um, with Kevin and his, I mean, whole story throughout all the seasons. Seeing Patty, his hotel, Matt, and his whole stick until actually 
then that did actually cloud. They actually did answer that one. <laughs> so that kind of makes you. Yeah. <laughs> we've we've been over this before, but whatever. <laughs> but yeah, I like the the ambiguity is rife. In this. Yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, and then she says you know, she wanted to come back home, so she tracked down the inventor of the machine, convinced him to rebuild it so that she could go back through. I also bought. So here's something I also was confused here because there's like, okay, somehow found him, and he somehow was able to build a machine to send him back, which there's not, nothing saying that you can get sent back, okay? But okay, I guess if you do the same machine, it reverses, or he knows a way to make a reverse machine, fine. Mm-hmm. Okay? But then my question is, is this doctor offering this to other people to come back to the 98%? Right. I'm sure there's a lot of people in that 2% that would love to come back to the 98%. I can understand people in the 98% not wanting to live with the 2%. That's fine. Right? That's such a few people. But if you're part of that 2%, you go to the 98%, you've got more people, right? There's more infrastructure, like the plane stuff, right? You've just got more infrastructure. And like the the one um, Nora talks about seeing a man and a woman, the woman losing like everyone basically like her grandchildren her daughters sons maybe her spouse i can't remember right like i i would love to go back right like even even if her husband's moved on she still has her children and her grandchildren that may remember her and whatnot so absolutely like if, if this guy could do this why didn't he do this right from the beginning not even do it straight from the beginning right because maybe he thought there was no point but if he's already made the machine and let norwood gone through are there other people in this world that have come back from the 2% allegedly? And if that isn't the case, and it seems like Nora's been here for some time, mm. that means she's been back for some time. Wouldn't have some, like if so, if, if I assume the doctor would let other people come through, she looked, he looked Nora come back. Mm-hmm. So that means if anyone else wanted to come back and asked him and he had this machine, I see no reason why he wouldn't let them come back. Yeah. Why is this not a, Thing that's well known, right? And if if this was known, Kevin would have already known about something like this. If this, these people or persons have spoken out about it, so this is this is also the reason why I think Nora's lying is that's if this point. man built a machine to let people out, or at least let Nora out. I I don't know. I don't know why other people can't use this machine, and I feel like some other people would love to use this machine, and just yeah. Why is there not? Why is there not constant traveling between these two worlds? Yeah, that's a great. That's a great point, and. and... I think I think you hit the nail on the head. You've here. got double the resources and the same amount of people. <laughs> so. Good point. You know, we could split the population of the world in half. Yeah, you can split, you can you can go fifty fifty. You can go hundred and just mine. People talk about the climate and the environment will wreck the environment of that world. <laughs> Keep this one clean. Brand spanking new. There you go. So that's a great point, and I think I think. There are two really interesting points that come out of that. First, you're right. She probably is lying. But second, Kevin never questions that. He doesn't. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter to Kevin. It, it doesn't, it does not matter that she's lying. He's going to believe her no matter what. Um, she, and she's, so now this is where she does say that she thought about him. She wanted to call him. She wanted to be with him. But so much time had passed, and she thought that he would he would never believe her. Uh-huh. That's why she didn't get back in touch with him. Yeah, and this is where he says, "I I, I believe you," and why wouldn't I believe you? You're here, and this they take hands, and then 
as in the previous two seasons, Nora gets the last line, which is, I'm here. And they cry, they smile together, and the lovebirds come home. They cry like big babies. <laughs> Nora, I, I was, I, Nora's lying so bad. That's how I <laughs> felt after this. But, this is where I felt, like, assured that she's lying. Yeah, she probably is, but it doesn't seem to matter to Kevin. Yeah. Uh, because he he's willing to accept that. And when we think about the rest of this episode, Nora wasn't willing to accept Kevin's lie. Mm-hmm. But she has now turned this corner and now he is willing to accept her lie. Okay. And it's it's interesting, it's beautiful. And when we think about uh, the, the end of each season, we put them together. The first, first season ends with Nora saying, look what I found. The second is your home. And the third is I'm here. Okay, so in the first season, she finds a family. Okay, she finds, uh, it's not the family that she had, but it's a new family. In the second season, she, uh, she acknowledges that Kevin is home. So Kevin, who was unable to be fully present, has come home. He was unable to be fully present because of Patty has come home. And now in this third season, she says, I'm here. And now she, who was unable to be fully present in this relationship, is here and present. So I love the way these those three things complement each other. And it turns out, you know, the, the, the story of the leftovers is the story of Kevin and Nora. So I love it. And I'm glad that you love it too, and it's your favorite series now. Um, mm, I, I'm not making any claims of such grandiose, grandiose claims yet. Well, what I will is, say is it is a great series. I enjoyed watching it. I will maybe, probably, one day in the future, rewatch it. Yes. Because uh, I think there's a lot to see, and to see the characters as they evolve over time, and to see Dean one more time, and Holy Wayne, and Patty. You know, speaking of Dean and Holy Wayne and Patty, I I wrote a whole bunch of stuff down back in season one that I said, you know, in the finale, I want to go over this with Kurt. So I want to take a minute to go through some of this stuff. Okay. All right. Because what I just said was that the, the story of the leftovers is the story of Kevin and Nora. Yeah. So let's let's think back about to, to some of the stuff that happened in season one which a lot of the stuff that happened in season one is like mystery that seemed like it was never solved so let's start with uh season one episode four <laughs> BJ, actually yeah we'll start with there which is bj and the ac with the naked man in the homeless shelter <laughs> Who says to Christine, I know what's inside of you. Remember that? Yeah. Okay. Remember that. Well, what was it? I was questioning why he was naked and no one else made a single comment on the fact that he was naked. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but he says, I know what's inside of you. Well, what's inside of her was Lily. And Lily is what brought Kevin and Nora back together. Okay. But Lily is also what ultimately destroys their relationship. This is also true. Okay. 
Wayne in season one, episode two, uh, which is Penguin One Us Zero. Wayne says to Tommy, he's he's got Christine in his arms, and he says to Tommy, "This girl is everything." Yes, remember that? Yeah, I remember that. Now, was he? It seemed at the time that he was talking about Christine. I, well, maybe he was talking about Lily. Lily is everything. Lily was everything that was needed to give Kevin and Nora a real relationship. Okay. Okay. Wayne also is a connector of Kevin and Nora. He hugs Nora to heal her, which allows her to explore this relationship with Kevin. Mm -hmm. And I remember he granted Kevin a wish. Which was a family, which turned out to be Nora and Wayne's own daughter, Lily. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right, so that's one thread that I was thinking about. Another thread is this, okay. Senior, we know, was hearing voices in season one, right? That is true. Okay. And one of the things that he said was, they're sending someone to help you. I but remember that. Okay. We kind of assumed it was Dean because that episode was kind of focused on Dean's interactions with Kevin. Okay. I would agree it's the Dean. You still think it's Dean? Well, well let's see. Okay. So. Because I, I, I came up with four other possibilities here. Wait, can, can I get some of these possibilities? Sure. Patty. No. What? Yes. Wait, wait, right. I have to say this. Okay. Patty, Nora, Lily. Yeah. And Holy Wayne. Yes, you got him. Okay. Very good. Yes. So And Tommy. Okay. I didn't include him, but sure. So, <laughs> I mean in I mean I, I guess in a sense Kevin already had Tommy, although he was missing him. But <laughs> so Later that season, though, Senior gives Junior the National Geographic magazine, right? May 1972. And that includes an article on Cairo, Egypt. Yeah, the big Cairo article. Mm -hmm. And in the very next episode, Kevin kidnaps Patty to Cairo, New York, mm -hmm. where she kills herself. Yes. Um, in season one, episode 10, Patty begins to haunt Kevin. Remember? Yeah, I remember that kind of BS. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I remember that because I, I did not know we were in a made-up dream. They, <laughs> they tricked me. I like knowing I'm in a dream. Okay. All right. Well, anyway. Well, what ultimately comes of Patty being attached to Kevin is that Kevin helps Patty cross over. Yes. yes. All right. Mm -hmm. Later in season, in, uh, season three, episode seven, Patty helps Kevin kill that part of himself that's keeping him from Nora. Okay, I, I I remember it just like it was last week's episode. Yeah, it was. <laughs> so oh, whoa. That, so that in this week's episode, Kevin and Nora can reconcile. Okay, so my theory is that the voices Senior was hearing sent Patty to help him by allowing him to have a real relationship with Nora. So when we think back to all those things that seemed so big and grandiose and like world altering holy wayne saying to that christine you know holding christine saying this girl is everything yes right a, a senior telling kevin that his voices are sending someone to help you i think it all comes down to kevin and nora healing with each other and getting themselves to a point where they can have an actual real relationship okay so what did that mean 
I'm trying to think of this in the clip. So, so the series revolves around Kevin and Nora? Right. Okay. So it's not really... It's it's the story of a couple mm-hmm. in a universe where it just so happens that 2% of the world disappears. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, I, mean, do, I do find those ties interesting that... that yeah. uh that Patty was the one sent, or Holy Wayne, mm-hmm. uh, by um, seniors' voices, and uh, what Patty has done for Kevin, especially mm-hmm. as her time gone. I, yeah, yeah, because I think that t- the tendency that people have when they watch leftovers is to think about it very large scale, you know think about you know kevin as a religious figure uh or think about uh the departure and fixate on that um but i think that what they're trying to show us in this last episode is that this is actually you should be thinking about it small scale you think about the relationship that kevin and nora have you think about what they individually have to go through in order to get to a point where they even can have a real relationship um and all the all the grief that they have to go through, all of the uh, the trauma that they have to go through to get to this point where they can, where where Kevin can nuke the one thing that's keeping him from being fully present in this world, and Nora can yell stop in the machine and reject going through, so that she can be fully present in this world, and that then they can have an actual real relationship where they don't both have one foot out the door. Yeah. Huh. So this is, so you're telling me this is a romantic series? <laughs> I mean, you're telling I, me you basically got me to watch a super long romantic movie in parts. <laughs> no, uh, okay. I don't think the romance necessarily is the point of it. I think that it's a commentary on having the ability to just be fully present for the people that you care about. Oh, that's sweet. Having uh, the ability to recognize that we all have trauma, that we all have grief. And in order to really connect with someone, you have to be willing to work through that grief you can't just block them you can't just block them as per our black mirror episode mm-hmm. that's right okay so i don't know if that's at all what damon Lindelof had in mind but as i watched season one those are the things that kind of ran through my mind because i, I knew where we were going um and i i like to think that everything was there for a reason. Uh, and those are the reasons that I come up with to connect to where the series ends. Can I ask you, and you can either choose that you can say you don't know the answers to this, or you can answer this in the recap episode, but do you know Lindelof's opinions or any facts that Lindelof holds about the series? Like does Lind- does he ever state his least favorite episode, his favorite episode? Uh, no, I don't know. I know. I know he was very proud of, of, uh, the finale i know that that it ended the way that he wanted to end it um and i know that um i know he was very excited to have 
that scene with Mark Lynn Baker and don't be don't be ridiculous. <laughs> okay. Um, but I, sh- I I should listen to some more interviews with him. I, I I've I've listened to a lot. Um, but he mostly talks in general terms. He doesn't usually talk about specific episodes. So fair enough. Fair enough. Just curious. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was it was a great series. I'm excited to have seen it. I'm excited. I'm happy to have seen it. Good. But I'm more excited for what's next. Which is what? The check-in on TV time? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love TV I love time. the TV time check-in as well. So let's let's do it then. What do you want to know first? Uh emotions. So anything notable on the emotions front? Um maybe a little bit. because I didn't I personally did not line up with where the community was on this okay so for the emotions they say uh the most the most common emotion uh stated here was shocked okay which i don't know i i did not say i was shocked i think shocked is a reasonable emotion okay Uh, both either could or cannot just because i mean this is just a big flash forward you're in the future now these Mm -hmm. things are different Oh wow, so shocking that Nora lives on her own in Australia, or seemingly on her own. This is stuff, and Kevin's gone looking for. This. Yeah, fine, I get shocked. Okay, the next most common was uh, that was shocked. By the way, was forty four percent. The next most common was sad at nineteen percent, which I did select sad. That sad, I yeah. This is definitely this this this. You can feel happy, but yep. so much time has passed. Yeah. And it's just, even even if from here on out, Nora and Kevin have a great relationship, I think of all the time, right, that has gone by, it's, it's sad. It's sad. It is sad. sad. And it's also sad that the series is ending. Like, that's the end of the series. So a lot is, of people... is, that, is this a typical thing for a TV time? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, so TV time, two things to note. If a character dies, they usually rate them as the best character. <laughs> and if uh, it's the end of a series, sad is it product or for, is it season finales or just the end series, of series finales? Series finales they tend to um be sad. Yeah, yeah. Okay, for sure. Um, and then uh, after so I I selected sad and happy, happy because I do think ultimately this is a pretty happy ending. Um, and then uh, happy was only seven percent though. The the more common emotions after shocked and sad were. Twelve uh, percent each for excited, which I don't really get that one. That's um, even happier than happy. Like, oh, they're together! Yeah. But it's also it also uh, uh, there's an element of anticipation to excitement, and there's nothing after this. <laughs> no. <laughs> I would not put excitement for this. No. Maybe uh, they didn't get the memo. This is the series finale. Yeah. yeah. Wow! <laughs> I can't wait to see next season. I'm. I, I, this is this is one of the one series where I'm like. I don't want any more. That is perfect. Like I don't. I don't want to see what senior citizens Nora and Kevin do together. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Yeah, I, I I love this ending. Plus, I I love the ambiguity, and I'm worried that if there were more, it wouldn't be ambiguous anymore. Yeah, it would collapse. Yeah. Um. And then uh, confused is the other twelve percent, which I totally get that. Understandable. Yeah. All right. Where do you want to go next? The ratings or the characters? Ratings. I'm okay. assuming you gave this five stars. I gave it five stars. I did give this episode a ten, by the way. Um, but uh, yeah, it's 
five stars and 85% of the community said five stars. It's a good ending. Good ending. Um, And then the characters. Which one do you, which character do you think I picked? You picked Nora. Yeah, I picked Nora for sure. I'm trying, I'm trying, because so we went on the TV time rule of dead characters get favorites. But like Matt would get favorite, but this is a serious finale. It's and, also, feel, and he also didn't die in this episode. That's what I say. He died off kind of camera, like just, oh, he's dead, by the way. Right. I feel like people can really get behind. I'm gonna, it's, it's gotta be between Nora and Kevin. I'm gonna say Kevin. It is Nora. It is Nora, okay. And see, I don't rate Nora as my favorite just because I feel like she lied at the end and that made me upset. Now, I. That, that makes it more interesting. That's what I was going to say. But she's definitely the most interesting character. So, yeah. that, so, that, so it depends how you want to put like liked characters. Whether you want to take as literally the character you like the most or the most. If she's the most interesting, definitely Nora. Nora, like far and away. So who do you say, Kevin or Matt? Between interesting. No, uh, wh- who would you pick as your favorite character in this episode? Between Kevin and Matt, Kevin. Okay, gotcha. I do like Matt, but no, but Nora's definitely the most interesting. Yeah, her lies. Her I'm lie. telling you, she's lying. It's 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 good stuff, man. Is there anything else you want to say about the leftovers? I mean, we still have the recap episode. <laughs> so oh, we will do next week. We will do the recap episode where we will rank rank our favorite episodes from bottom to top of season three. Okay, it's only eight episodes each. Not even ten. <laughs> Yeah, it's only eight. I guess we can add another two into it. <laughs> so I'll just make up two episodes. Favorite two from previous seasons? No, I say make up two episodes that could have been and then rank them accordingly. Well, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I would assume that if they if they had more time and money, they would have done an episode for... I, I would think John would have gotten an episode. Oh, certainly. John... And- Maybe Tommy and Jill, or I Erica? think at least Jill, if not Jill and Tommy, would have gotten an episode. Yeah. So, yeah, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Still, still a good series. And the Jill Tommy episode would have been my least favorite one of the season. No, Tommy, even Jill, she's not terrible. I like Jill. Yeah, you could have seen like Jill sitting. The John episode. Oh. The John episode, I would have loved to see. The I would have loved John. Especially there's a little bit of old John in it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe some flashback. Ooh. I'm salivating already. Well, <laughs> sadly, it's not a universe in which we live in. Maybe the other two percent have mm. that that great occurrence. Yeah. But so next Monday will be the recap episode for season three. The Monday after that. Mm, what is we this? Start, we gotta start something new. Are you gonna reveal what the something new is, Mr. Sal? This is your choice. I think I will. Okay, well, what is it? So, I think that uh, I've, I, I, as you know, I've been going back and forth uh, with what else, what to do next, uh, mostly between um, two series. The first being Watchmen, which is the other Damon Lindelof series. <laughs> so, we could complete the Damon Lindelof box set if we uh 
do Watchmen. Of course, we would complete Watchmen and The Leftovers before we complete Lost season two. I mean, we'll probably complete a lot more series before we complete Lost. Yeah. It's been one season of Lost and a few episodes in a season two. Exactly. So um, that was one thing that I was considering. Uh, It's only, I think it's nine episodes. It's not even that long. But ultimately, I think I'm going in a different direction here because... I am extremely excited for the last split season, I guess, of Ozark. And I really would like to cover Ozark before, uh, cover seasons one through three of Ozark before that last split season airs so that we can do that live. As as am I. I also like Ozark. We've both seen Ozark. so. So that'll be a different dynamic since we've both seen all the episodes of Ozark. Um, so we, that, we might need some adjustment. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It might, it might be like a rewatching thing together. So maybe we'll spoil the series as we go. Maybe we'll, so, yeah, we'll have to discuss whether that's going to be a, a rewatch series or a spoiler free first time through. Series. I think it needs to be a rewatch series. Okay, we'll see, but we'll, we'll announce that right at the beginning of the first episode of Ozark. So next week, uh, Leftovers season three recap. The week after that, Monday, Ozark season one, episode one. What's that called? Sugarbush, I think. I have no idea what it is, but it's a good one. <laughs> They're all good. I mean, that's a very lean series as well. It's only 30 episodes in three seasons. Mm-hmm. So we'll finish Ozark before we finish season three of Lost. <laughs> Sugarwood, not Sugarbush. So. Next week, Season 3 Recap of the Leftovers. The following Monday, Ozark, Season 1, Episode 1, Sugarwood.